Hello, hello, hello. Good morning. Um, yeah. February 2017. Uh, we, we together kind of looked at words for our year at the beginning of the year. Anybody living into their word for the year? Taking steps into, into the things that God is calling us into? Um, we, as a church, have been in a series uh, the last two weeks called In Search of the Beloved, and our series is all about um, God pursuing us and us pursuing God. And so uh, it's a chapter-by-chapter study through the book of John, and today we're in John chapter 2, and I'm really excited to talk about it. And there's these two stories in John chapter 2 that right, right early on in the book of John, I think, are complicated glimpses into the life of Jesus as he's beginning his ministry. And so we're going to just take a look at these two stories and kind of go verse by verse today um, through these two stories. And um, as I was reading uh, these stories, I, I kind of looked at this idea of, you know, who is Jesus? Who is God as he pursues us? And in these two stories today, I think we see this. Out of compassion and care, Jesus advocates for us. Out of compassion and care, Jesus advocates for us. And, um, you know, from time to time, I'll have friends who, like, send me a text or give me a call and say, hey, there's, like, I'm applying for this new job, and I put you down as a reference. And um, I was thinking about that as I was thinking about this idea of advocating. Um, I love when, like, somebody calls and asks me about people in my life to see whether or not they should hire them and talking about my friends and what they're really great at and kind of giving this glimpse into who they are and into their life to these who people who are essentially strangers in their life. And just this idea of, like, somebody calls me and says, tell me about person X and the opportunity just to kind of, like, gush about their gifts and their talents and talk about who they are. And as I'm looking at the life of Jesus in John chapter chapter 2 this week, I'm just thinking about how, how Jesus does that for us, how Jesus is advocating for us before the Father all the time, and how Jesus advocates for people in these two stories, the first of which is the wedding at Cana, and the second of which is uh, this moment where he goes in and he cleanses the temple. And in both instances, Jesus is advocating for people. And so we're just going to hop right into it, but I want us to take a moment Um, and just close our eyes. Maybe open your hands in front of you. And maybe there's an area in your life right now where you just need Jesus to advocate for you. Where you feel like you need a champion, somebody to stand up for you, somebody to be your cheerleader. Just think of that situation, that scenario in your life right now. Yeah. God, thanks for sending an advocate for us in Jesus. I pray that today we would be people who um, sense the fact that we're fought for, But you went out of your way, you continue to go out of your way um, to be our champion. In Jesus' name, amen. 
As you sat there with your eyes closed and your hands open and thinking about this idea of like what is an area in my life that I need to be advocated for, maybe you thought of maybe something that seems dire in your life, something that seems like a big deal, or maybe you thought to yourself like, I can't even think of anything. My life is going pretty well right now, which is so, so great. But in this first story in the, in the book of John chapter 2, it's not a drastic moment. It's not a crazy issue. Jesus and the disciples and Mary and several of their friends have gathered for a a wedding and they've run out of wine, which I guess, depending on your perspective, can be a big deal. Um, And in in this story, and we'll read through it in just a moment, just to give you an overview, Jesus uh, is approached by his mother, Mary, and she says, hey, we're out of wine. Jesus says, hey, why are you coming to me about this? And then she looks at the the servants and says, hey, do what he says. And over the course of the next few minutes, the water in these jugs is turned into wine, and uh, people continue on with the party. And I love with this idea, like the first miracle we, we see here in the book of John, Jesus is advocating on behalf of these people who have just gotten together for a good time. And it's not like some huge thing. It's like it shows us that like even at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus is caring for people just in the daily course of their life. And in this story, I think we see this. Jesus served people and connected them to God through simple personal acts of love. Simple, personal acts of love. And as we go through this chapter, I want us to see how Jesus is doing this, but I also want us to be cognizant of how we have the opportunity to do this in the lives of other people. How do we have the opportunity every day to demonstrate simple, personal acts of love and care to advocate for the people around us, to lift them up, to fight for them? So we're going to start in verse 1, and uh, if you want to follow through in an app or a book or whatever you got, if you got it in print, um, feel free to do that, John chapter 2. Um, I would also love for you to just take a couple notes so you can go back and maybe go through this chapter this week and think through some of these things. So it starts out with this. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. And right here, like at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we see him in relationship with people. We see him in human relationship, deep human connectedness. And I love this glimpse of Jesus at a party with his disciples and his mother, that Jesus prioritized the relationship relationships of his life. And I don't know how it is for you, but for me, I know it's really easy to get caught up in even really, really great things and neglect the relationships of our lives. Or how we tend to kind of create these silos of people who are like us, or, you know, we get so engulfed in ministry that we never look outside our Christian bubble, right? And what we see here is Jesus in relationship with people at a social environment where ministry was pregnant, like the the, the environment was pregnant with ministry to serve people, to care for them, to love them well. And in fact, this was the environment in which Jesus performs this miracle. So Mary says, hey, they're out of wine. And in verse four, we'll pick it up. He says, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. And this is a really interesting, like, Thing for me. This is a really interesting concept because we know Jesus to be someone who follows the heart of the Father. In fact, later on in John chapter 5, we'll come to it, Jesus talks about how he does what he 
sees the father doing. He goes where he sees that the father is. He says what he hears the father telling him. And in this moment, he looks at Mary and his response is, why are you involving me? It's not my time yet. But Mary looks at him and actually looks at the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. So I don't know if she didn't hear him or she was just kind of doing that motherly thing. Like, I do hear you. I'm going to pretend like I don't hear you. Do what I say. Right? But anyway, she looks at the servants. Do whatever he tells you. And, and Jesus does it. And this is the tension of this story, I think. Because we know Jesus to be a person who is constantly after the Father's heart, doing what the Father's doing, saying what the Father's saying. And Jesus has just made a declaration. It's not my time. I'm not ready to do miraculous things in the public space yet. Mary ignores it and says to the servants, do what he tells you to do. And Jesus does it. Because when we think about hearing God, when we think about doing God's will in our life, we think about it in terms of sitting in a quiet place and having some vast, grand revelation. And those happen. And those are really great. And if that happens, receive it as a blessing. But God is moving and speaking in the same way through the things we already know we're supposed to do. Through the simple things that we encounter every day, God is speaking in those moments just as much as he is speaking when we're in the quiet place all by ourselves and God sends us this quiet whisper. The father was speaking and moving in what Jesus already knew to be true, which he was called to serve and honor the people around him. And it wasn't that Jesus went away into some closet and closed the door behind him and prayed for a while about whether or not he should do something about this thing that his mom was asking him to do. He already knew that it wasn't time for him to start his earthly ministry, quote unquote. He hadn't yet had this grand revelation in the quiet moment where God gave him the green light. But you know what Jesus knew? Jesus knew that it was good for him and it pleased the father to honor his mother. And it was in this simple act of obedience that actually greenlights Jesus' ministry and propels him into the action of the next three years. It wasn't this thing where he like, to do God's will, I need to hear this vast voice. It was no, to do God's will, it means I know already to do the simple things that God has told me to do. And I'm just gonna be obedient in these small, simple, personal acts of love and that was the genesis of Jesus' earthly ministry. Maybe you're considering some area in your life, the concept of God's will, and you're in a deep place of panic and anxiety about what you should do or where you should go or how you should do it. And you say, if only I know God's will, if only I knew God's will in this area of my life. And God is saying, you already know my will. My will is for you to love people like I love them right where you are right now. And that's what Jesus does here. A few weeks ago, I had the deep honor of teaching alongside of Garrett, and we taught about story, and we taught about this moment where, where our lives are in a state of balance, but it doesn't mean that we just sit idly by. It means that we sit in a posture of active waiting that we're doing the things we know God has already said are good things for us to do and to step into. And that's what Jesus does in responding with love and care and compassion when his mother tells him to do this thing. 
Verse 6, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. He told them, now draw out some and take it to the master of the banquet. And we see the same idea still kind of persisting here. It wasn't that Jesus went away and like took the six jars and took them into the closet with him and prayed over the six jars. Jesus got to work. He looked at the servants, fill those six jars. And then he just said, take the ladle and dip out some of that liquid and take it to the bride and the, and the groom. And somewhere in the activity, the miracle happened. It wasn't this moment where Jesus stopped and like raised his hands, although he does do that in some areas of of the Gospels. He didn't say some magic words over the things. He just said, hey, let's get to work. And again, like this idea, we need to hear this vast secret voice from God. No, we already know so many things that God has called us into. And it's in those moments of activity that we begin discovering him and seeing the miraculous things that he wants to do. It's not when we just stand in one place. It's when we start moving forward. Greg, in his announcements today, talked to us about uh, the opportunities that we have to serve in our church. And one of the things that he said in talking about that was, maybe it's not even in the act of serving that like the thing happened. Maybe it's, it's as you're serving You begin building relationships. You begin meeting people. You begin stepping into things that happen in the context of serving as we become active. Um, One of our other elders, Landon, um, graduated from Full Sail many years ago now. And uh, I went to his Full Sail graduation and he was the valedictorian and he gave this speech and the whole speech was on motion-activated doors. (laughs) And he said, what if life... What if your dream, what if the thing that you're supposed to do with your life is a motion-activated door? And you're standing like looking at a glass door and it's not opening. But what if the door opens when you start walking toward it? And I've remembered that in so many instances of my life. And I think we see that here in the story of Jesus. Like maybe he's nervous, right? Like Jesus is a human being. He's fully God, but he's also fully human. And maybe there's a a contingent piece of this thing where it's like, I'm kind of nervous and this isn't my time and I'm not ready and I haven't gone through all the things that I I think I need to go through. And maybe his mother saw something in him that he didn't even see in himself and that's why she kind of like pushed him along, right? I'm not a parent, but I've had people in my life who have done that for me who have pushed me into things even when I think I'm not ready. That's what it's like to like come under someone and support them and, and, and help them step into the fullness of their calling. And as a response, Jesus may have been looking at that closed door and saying, I'm not ready. But it was in the activity that the miracle happened. Okay, there's the jars. Fill them up. Okay, get a ladle. Scoop some out. Okay, take that glass over to the bride and groom. Hopefully it turns to wine at some point. (laughs) That is the story of our lives. We want things so safe. But maybe the miracle happens when we step out into risk. Maybe life is a series of motion-activated doors. 
So the servants did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And Jesus does this like good act, and most of the people at the party didn't even know that it was happening. And just a gentle kind of encouragement in our social media age, be okay doing the right thing because it's the right thing. You don't always need to post it for the world to see. And that's not an indictment on anybody. Like, it's good to, to share the good things that we get the opportunity to do. It's good to, like, celebrate people who are doing good. It's good to share circumstances from your life where you feel like you've experienced victory to encourage other people. So I'm not saying there's any sort of shame in sharing that stuff. But let's be intentional about it if we are. And let's not do it because we have the opportunity to, like, broadcast it to the world. Let's do it because the Lord is working in our hearts and he's calling us into being people who love and care for the world around us. Then he called the bridegroom aside. Sorry, this is the groom now, the he. Then the groom called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you've saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed him. And isn't that just like God? Like, there's a higher standard. There's always a higher standard. And that's the thing that Jesus does here. That's one of the things that Jesus shows us in this miracle is that Jesus exceeded the standard. And in that, he revealed to the world his glory. And it wasn't in some vast, amazing, like raise somebody from the dead miracle. It was in a daily, simple act of responding to the request of his mother in a very simple moment. Daily acts of obedient love lead to powerful fruit. Daily acts of obedient love lead to powerful fruit. If you want to know God's will for your life, if you want to know what you're supposed to be doing with your life, if you want to know what you're supposed to do in a certain situation, if you want to know what you're supposed to do or how you're supposed to navigate or how Jesus is advocating for you in the situation that you thought of at the beginning of this message, think about that. Daily acts of obedient love lead to powerful fruit. How can you exhibit, exhibit powerful love in the midst of the situation or scenarios that you find yourself in on a regular basis? And this was... This is the ministry of Jesus. He was doing something so sweet for this bride and groom who had run out of wine at their wedding. He just did something that like spoke to something really simple in their life. And in it, he demonstrated this idea that like God's no longer just writing his law on tablets of stone. He's writing his his, his law on the hearts of people by softening hearts through gentle, simple acts of love that lead to powerful fruit because when we love well, hearts are softened. And the law becomes something totally different. It's something altogether different. It's no longer something we begrudgingly do. We experience God's love and his grace and his goodness. And in the midst of that, we soften to the desires and wills of the Father. In that last verse of this story, after this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and disciples, and they stayed for a few days. 
And in this, we see Jesus caring and advocating for these people with compassion and care and simple, powerful acts of love in the context of relationship. A couple weeks ago, we launched some small groups, and I've already heard a few people talk about some of the really wonderful things that are happening in those. Um, If you haven't gotten the opportunity to visit one or be part of one, would encourage you to check those out. You can do that on our website. Um, It's a really just simple way to connect with people. Because all of this stuff, all of ministry happens in the context of relationship. Another thing that people have been doing here at our church um, in order to to experience relationship with one another is uh, this past weekend was the Worthy Conference. Any ladies part of that? Woo! All right. Um, And Peyton and Kay um, have done an amazing job, them and their team, of uh, pulling that together, ladies testimony to that? Have they done an amazing job? Yeah. So I wanted to invite Kay up. Where are you? Kay. And um, just talk to, the, to her a little bit about some of the things that they've been experiencing this week as, um, as they've been gathering together. Hello, Kay. Appreciate you. You want to gra- get, grab that mic on that stand right there? Um, so, you know, one of the things that you all have been talking about is, is this concept of relationship, of sisterhood, of what happens in the context of relationship. What are some of the things that you all have been kind of exploring in that realm of, like, sisterly relationship? Sisterly relationship. Sisterhood, um, sisterhood to me is a new thing. Hmm. And it's been so sweet to see it personified this weekend. We started off with an icebreaker where you had a secret handshake, um, okay. and to watch everyone be like, all right, we're going to break it down to like the 90s handshake. Like there's a lot of shimming involved, a lot of high fives, and like the surface level of sisterhood. Hmm. I think that was such a wonderful place to start. We started with a party, and we moved to a place of tears, and we moved to a place hmm. of reckoning. So at the end of it, it really is this, how do I say it? walking arm in arm together. Peyton and I were on the phone this morning that when, you, when you're arm in arm, you're much closer than when you're holding hands. Mm. I can talk to you over there and hold hands. Yes, we're going to hold hands. I can do this, but if I'm arm in arm with you, mm-hmm. we're stuck. We are. Which is so sweet. That's a moment, y'all. I wish someone got that on camera. Oh, yes, Jackie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, like that, we're close, we're in it. And I think sisterhood, you get to be in it. You get to be in it together. Yeah. And then I I love that you all are exploring that idea of um, sisterhood in the context of the ladies who are part of that. But that means something for our church as a whole. What does it look like to go even, you know, you started with intimacy with God. You talked about kind of this concept of sisterhood, and then us as a church congregation, like together being in relationship, what does that look like? So it's really sweet. Annie and I got the same picture from the Lord, Hmm. and something that I believe in my core is healthy femininity brings forth healthy masculinity, and healthy masculinity brings forth healthy femininity. Whoop, whoop, yep, Dan. um, Dan said that over Ryan, he said it over me, and I'm like, yes, because I have the great privilege of doing life with men. I love that. Life is much better. It is much more interesting. It continues forward because we do relationship with men. And so the picture I got is these women who are standing arm in arm on a cliff and we're running forth each in our divine purpose, Mm. unified together with the Lord. And Annie got that with men in the links. Mm. And I love that. 
I think my life is so much better because I know you. And I love that I get to see men and I have a picture of good men in my life. So when I come across something that says, okay, so I went to Europe and I was highly objectified when I was living in one country and I had the choice to say, men are evil and this is what they do to women. And I had the great privilege to say, no, because I know this good man and I know this good man and the truth of God in him allows me to see the truth of God in men who are living below the standard of how they were created. Mm. So if we as women can step up into that, I think we as the men in our community get step up into that and we get to be the truth of God manifested in the earth when we see the counter of that. When we encounter terrible women who are going to use you and you break your heart, you can say, but I know a good woman. And she testifies to the truth of God. So I think, yeah, that, that's the long-winded version. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Um, and I just think it'd be uh, just a sweet time um, for us to pray over the ladies in our community, whether or not you were part of the conference this weekend. Um, so ladies, I would love to just invite you to kind of us all stand up right now. And ladies, just come to the front and um, we're going to gather around you and, and just uh, pray for you and bless you. So everybody stand up and get out of the aisle. Ladies, huddle here and then... Guys, just, we'll gather around and... So come in close. Guys, if you want to gather around, um, come up here as well and we'll just lay some hands. Yeah, just smush, smush. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lord, we, um, God, we just bless you as your children. Um, God, I thank you for the, the women who were part of this conference this weekend and even those who weren't able to be uh, part of that this weekend. Lord, we just speak life over these women. We speak wholeness over them. We speak goodness over them. Um, and we agree with um, the truth that you speak over them, that they are worthy um, because you have declared them so, that they are, are good because you've placed your goodness inside of them, that they are creative because the heart of you, God the Father, is a creative God, is in them, that they are nurturing and caring because you, God, have placed your spirit of nurturing and caring inside of them, that they are strong because you are their rock. And so, God, I just pray in this moment a deep sense of repair in any heart or life or mind that has been spoken over in a way that isn't true or doesn't align with the truth of what you're declaring. God, I pray for a purpose, a deep sense of purpose in each of these women. God, I pray for a spirit of being received. God, that they wouldn't live out of a place of feeling like an orphan running from one person or place or relationship to the next, but of, of being embraced by you as a loving father, as a good friend, and out of that confidence and out of that wholeness and out of that strength, God, they live day to day and they operate in health. God, thank you for the role that each of these women play in our community. In a unique way, each of them playing a specific part. Continue to clarify that here 
and in their lives on a daily basis, in their homes, in their friendships, in all of their relationships, God. We bless you. We say thank you for how these women bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, gosh, I have an a, entire half of a chapter to get through, and I don't think we're going to do it. Um, so fortunately, I have a few more minutes to think, because now we're going to do um, just an experience together uh, on the heels of this idea of simple personal acts of love and care and compassion. Uh, when you came in today, there was a clipboard on your chair. You want everybody to take that clipboard out? Um, Hopefully there was a, is there a pen on there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got a pen as well. Um, and I want you to write uh, three things on this piece of paper and, and know that we're going to pass this paper to a stranger. Um, so just, um, and we're going to have you write uh, your name, just maybe your first name if you want to, your first or last, doesn't really matter. Uh, and your email address, a real one preferably. And if you don't feel comfortable with that, that's fine. You don't have to do it. Um, and then we're just going to write something that somebody can be advocating for you for, something that somebody in this room can be praying for you for. And the reason we ask for you to put your name and your email address is just because like, we want to make this personal. We see Jesus engaging people in a very personal way in the midst of the first half of the, of the second chapter of John. And we want to do that for one another. Uh, I think that's something special we can do. So I'm just going to give you a few minutes uh, to write your name, your email address, and just something that somebody can be praying for you for. And then I'll give you a few more instructions in a second. So I'll give you a couple of minutes to do that. Okay, um, just fold that in half one time. Um, and uh, we're going to show me that you're done. Just maybe hold, hold your thing right here. People are still writing. We'll give you a few more seconds. That's fine. Thanks for um, actually like thinking about that. It looks like some of you have really taken some time to be thoughtful and open, which is wonderful. Thanks for doing that. All right, um, so we're just going to like pass them for 15 seconds, so go for it. <laughs> go across the aisle, you know. Band. Hey, Ryan, you guys can come up. 
All right, five, four, three, two, one. Awesome. Somebody has two. Do more people have two? We have two. Somebody doesn't have one. Up front, pass it up this way. Raise your hand if you don't have one. Everybody got one? Great. Um, don't read it yet in just a second. We'll take some time. I mean, I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying. Uh, we'll take some time to actually really like do this in a second. So um, hold on just a second because I want to talk about for about 30 seconds, the second half of this chapter, and I would really encourage you, I'm not going to have time to get into it. I have another page and a half of notes, and there's just no way I could do this justice. Um, But I encourage you this week to go and read the second half of uh, John chapter 2, and it's the story of Jesus cleansing the temple. And it's, it's yet another example of Jesus advocating for us. All of these systems had been put in place that were obstructing people's relationship with God. And Jesus went in and he made a way for people to connect with God firsthand again. He removed all of these roadblocks that man had put into place. He cleared the roadblocks out of the way so that people could once again engage with God. And it's Jesus going into this moment and just kind of like upending things because he cares for us. And ultimately, he continued to upend things, you know, ending with his sacrifice on the cross, just radically transforming and shifting the way people understood what it meant to be in relationship with God. And we see that in the second half of John chapter 2. And we're going to take communion in just a few minutes to remember this way that this, this way that Jesus made a way for us to be in relationship with the Father again. It's just this beautiful act of ministry that Jesus does. So go read the second half of John this week. Um, so go ahead, and they're going to play for just a few minutes. I would love for you to open up that piece of paper, take some time to pray for whatever is there, and then you can also obviously keep this this week. Um, if you want to send a follow-up email and just like let people know that you've prayed for them, that's really sweet too. So take some time to do that. I'll come back and I'll introduce uh, a moment for us to go into to communion and we'll sing a couple more songs. So take a good, a good few minutes to just advocate for that.
just thanks for fighting for us and championing us. And thank you for the opportunity that we all have to do that for one another and to be that for one another. Thank you even for this moment, the opportunity to open ourselves up, to be vulnerable for a moment just by writing some things on a piece of paper. And then the beautiful joy that we have to advocate for one another in the midst of all of these things. May we be known for this. May we be known by our love and our care and our compassion for people. May we be known for how we stand up and champion those around us and fight for the people who need to be fought for. God, may that be who we are. Here on your left, um, there are the communion elements. There are some crackers and some juice. And um, the crackers representing the body of Christ and his ministry and the example that he lived. The blood representing his sacrifice for us on the cross so that we might be reunited by the, to the Father. Um, and so as we sing these last couple songs, just want to invite you at any time in that to go over here and partake in communion. Again, that concept of Jesus being our advocate, standing before the Father, advocating on our behalf, covering us so that we're seen as pure and white and good. So let's just enjoy this time of worship and uh, remembering the sacrifice of Christ for us.